Hello and welcome to the Interviews podcast with Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre and coming to you from the Panorama Room of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the seventh interview podcast for the 2008-2009 international season. In each episode, we will take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind the productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, artistic director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Menno Plucker, associate producer for The Blue Dragon, which played at the NEC Theatre from March 25th to April 11th. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Menno Plucker. Okay, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome this afternoon to the interview. My name is Peter Hinton, and I'm the Artistic Director of English Theatre here at Canada's National Arts Centre. And uh, we have a very special welcome today. Is um, We have this dynamic, fantastic organization here at the NAC called Friends of English Theatre. And they're the most incredible group of theatre lovers, volunteers who support all the work that we do here, provide accommodation for students when we do the ARC, and organize a very special event where they plan theater uh, trips as a fundraising venture for us. And they organize trips to Stratford, to Shaw, and many times to Montreal. And so they've organized a trip today where we have a guest of 30 from Montreal here to see the Blue Dragon. So I want to welcome all of you from Montreal here. Great to have you. And, and amongst uh, our welcome and esteemed audience from Montreal, we also have Monsieur Roy Surrette from the Centaur Theatre here. So it's great to see him as well and welcome him to the NAC. <laughs> and uh, t- today, uh, in preview of uh, The Blue Dragon um, by Robert Lopage, we have a very special guest. Uh, Menno Plucker, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Menno Plucker, as George does on the hour. Here's the bio. (laughs) Menno Plucker was born (laughs) in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, studying English language and literature, as well as political science at the University of Amsterdam. Since 1981, he's been involved in theater and dance management. Uh, From 1981 to 85, he directed a foundation for multi-ethnic theatre in the Netherlands and programmed a multicultural theatre festival. In 1989, he started to represent and produce artists and companies from Quebec in Europe. In 1990, he moves to Montreal, and he has dedicated himself almost exclusively to worldwide representation of Canadian theatre and dance artists since. 
In 1995, 2001, 2003, Menno produced three editions of the Six Stages Festival in Toronto in collaboration with Sherry Johnson. In the fall of 2002, Sherry Johnson and Menno Plucker organized Six Stages in Europe, a presentation of Canadian theatre and dance in Glasgow, Berlin, and Prague. Currently, Menno is based in St. Albert, Ontario, as well as in Montreal, and represents the following artists and companies. Ex Machina, Robert Lepage's company in Quebec City, the creators and producers of The Blue Dragon. Infrarouge, Marie Brassard's company, and Marie Brassard has certainly been here at the NAC. Stowe Union, uh, Nadia Ross's company here in Ottawa that we presented seven important things a few seasons back. The Necessary Angel Theatre Company, artistic director Daniel Brooks in Toronto. Is it Weird, weird Productions? Yes, Weird, Weird Productions. With the uh, <laughs> infamous Rick Miller, Mick yeah. Homer, uh, Bigger Than Jesus. Uh, he's been with us here at the National Arts Centre for the last three years, promoting works for us. Uh, o Vertigo Dance, Holy Body Tattoo from Vancouver, Kid Pivot, Crystal Pite Dance from Vancouver, Francois Girard, and the Tiger Lilies <laughs> were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you must be exhausted. No. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming Menno Plucker here this afternoon. <laughs> so, um, just outside, I asked Menno. Um, sort of playfully, what he was doing in 1978. And uh, you told me that you were doing um, tax returns for artists. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had a bookkeeping agency um, in, uh, in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, and I was uh, mostly doing tax returns and balance sheets for artists and their companies and uh, editing companies, uh, publishing companies, uh, lawyers and uh, people like that, yeah. So there you are in the Netherlands doing this mm -hmm. very necessary, fantastic job. Uh -huh. um, how did you end up 12 years later uh -huh. in Canada representing Quebec and Canadian companies around the world? Yeah, I, well, I was always, I mean, all the work that I did even on an administrative level was always with artists and always with artistic companies. And I was always interested in, in theater and I had two major mentors in Amsterdam. Uh, one is Karel Alfenaar, who is uh, uh, still in Amsterdam and is a dramaturg. And at that point, was uh, when I was younger, was a dramaturg for a theater company in Amsterdam called Toneelgroep Centrum. So it's the this, this center, center theater company in Dutch. And um, he really uh, taught me, I mean, I saw everything that they did, all the seasons and everything, and I got acquainted with a lot of actors and a lot of the productions. And so that really uh, gave me a lot of appetite to work in theater because when, when one is young, of course, uh, one doesn't know, is it going to be advertising? <laughs> is it going to be, you know, is it going to be the fashion industry where I had a little stint or, uh, but at some point it, it really became clear that I wanted to work in theater and with theater. And the other mentor who was very important to me was Rick van Hulst, who uh, was actually uh, the, the director of this multi-ethnic theater foundation that I worked with in Amsterdam for a while. And that was also the start of things because with that uh, uh, cultural culturally diverse foundation, we started to produce, and we started to produce work uh, made by uh, directors who were from Morocco and Turkey and 
Dutch Guiana, with the three major minorities at that time and still are in Holland. And so we started to tour those productions and we started to tour those productions abroad. I mean, not up to the scale that I'm working now, but we had little outings. And, um, and we definitely uh, arranged tours in the Netherlands, which is uh, now seems one of the most depressing things that one can do. But uh, we did major tours in the Netherlands, like going to, because in Holland, the system is that every theater in every town, uh, because it's 17 million people living in a very small area, it's like almost twice the island of Montreal, to give you an idea. And so, of course, in every town there is a municipal theater, and what we would do is every day we would go with the theater company to City A, and then come back, and then City B, and then come back, and City C, and, come back. and so I, so that's how I started to tour. But the basic link is all through Marie-Hélène Falcon, who is the um, artistic director and general manager of a festival in Montreal that she founded in 1985. It uh, was called at the time Festival de Théâtre des Amériques, the FTA, as we now call it. And the name has also changed just recently because it merged with the dance festival and now it's called Festival Transamérique. But Marie-Hélène Falcon is still there and uh, so she's been running that festival for now almost 25 years and she's amazing. And I got to know her via this multicultural theater festival in Amsterdam, the Stage Door Festival. At some point I got an invitation to come to Montreal and to attend the festival. And I couldn't attend it, but I did go to Montreal six months later and met her on my first uh, day in Montreal. And she invited me to, she said, you have to see, what are you doing tonight? You have to see the show tonight because it's really something special. And it was a performance by a theater company called Carbon 14, Carbon 14. And uh, the show in question was Opium, which actually is not that well known. But, um, uh, and so I went and it was at uh, Espace Libre, which uh, was where the company did all their shows at the time and where they were based. And uh, the, the general manager of the company, Daniel de Fontenay, was working at a kitchen table upstairs and they had some rehearsal space and, and that... Oh, and that, the good old days. Oh, the good old days, exactly. And so I saw that piece, Opium, and I thought, this, we've never seen anything like this in wow. Holland. And wow. so I, on the spot after the show, I stayed and went to L'Express, uh, invited me, not, not bad for a first night in Montreal. Um, <laughs> and I got, I got to meet the artistic director, Gilles Maheu, and so and I said, we have to do this work. We have to bring this work to um, Holland. And so I rented a studio in uh, Utrecht, in the middle of the Netherlands. And, and then Danielle called me and said, well, um, there's a, a bit of a problem. We can't bring opium. Uh, we, uh, we want you to do another show because we've been invited with that work to France, and that work was uh, the rail, la rail. And I said, sure, I mean, I've seen enough. You come with every, any show you want. But that show involved actually building some railroad tracks in the studio. So anyway, to make a long story short, we, we did that. We got to the Dutch Railways involved, and it was a real special event, and it was a huge success. And uh, Yes, it was a beautiful show oh, about gorgeous. Freud and based on the White Hotel. Yes, the White Hotel. Yes, yeah. and had a... Train, an actual train yeah. on a real track, real yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that went through. It was fabulous. And so it was spectacular, and the reviews were spectacular. And of course, the Canadian Embassy in The Hague, where they were very, very thrilled about this. And, uh, and the company, Carbon 14, asked me to uh, promote them in Europe and to, you know, they so said. If I may, sorry yeah, to interrupt yeah, you, but you know, a lot of people, they ask me, they go, What does Menno do? Mm -hmm. Because Menno 
is an you're you, like you rep you manage shows. Yes. You organize their tours internationally. Mm -hmm. But are you like an agent for those artists? Are you uh, a promoter of the show? Do you book the show? To yes. Um, I am an agent for the companies of the artists. So I'm not an agent for the artists themselves, like Robert Lepage has a, his agent, but I'm the agent of the company, of Ex Machina. And I always say that I'm, yes, the official title is agent, and it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't mind at all being an agent, but it's more, I'm more a facilitator because in the, in the world we live in and in the field that I work in, it's all based on mutual trust, and I cannot really sell work. The only thing I can do is to get people interested in the work, ask them to come and see the work live, and then if the, the, these programmers or presenters at festivals and venues of all around the world, from all around the world, if they like what they see, then uh, there's a, another very important aspect of what I do is then there's interest and then it's to actually make it happen. And so it begins sort of much the way Maria Len did yes. with Cabanca uh, Torres, yes, with you, going, exactly. you've got to see this yes, work and yes. you get the yeah, right people to that's see it. it. If she wouldn't have invited me, right. we would have never started that whole relationship. And then because of Carbon 14, just to finish that story, because that's kind of why, why we're here, uh, is that so after I've done that, then the company of Robert Lepage at that point was still called Théâtre Repère, and the, the producer there, Michel Bernatchez, called me and said, we really want you to see this wonderful show that we have called La Trilogie des Dragons, the Dragons Trilogy. And so and I was still based in Amsterdam and I flew uh, to Montreal and saw at the old port in Montreal the Dragons Trilogy, a six-hour play about Canada, a kind of mythical yeah. uh, piece uh, that went from east to west. It went from the 1920s in Quebec City, the Chinatown that doesn't no longer exist, via Toronto during the Second World War to Vancouver in the 60s with all its developing multi-ethnicity. And, uh, so and the, there's a very beautiful connection of the Dragons trilogy to uh, the Blue Dragon, isn't there? Yes. Because the character Pierre Lamontagne mm -hmm. in the Dragons trilogy at the end of that leaves Quebec and moves to Shanghai. Yes. He leaves the Chinatown communities of Canada and goes yeah. to China. Yeah. And he is the main character in the Blue Dragon that you'll see this afternoon. And already, I mean, the Dragons trilogy consisted of three dragons. The three, yes. if you're familiar with the Mahjong game, it's the three dragons of the game. So it starts with the Green Dragon, and that was in Quebec City in the 20s, and then the Red Dragon, which is during the Second World War in Toronto, and then the White Dragon, which was in Vancouver in the 60s. And it was already clear, I mean, the Dragons trilogy didn't really end. I mean, Pierre Lamontagne ended up in Vancouver meeting a Japanese woman working at a souvenir yeah. stand at the international airport and it was kind of clear that he wouldn't stop going west and so you know and now we we see him you'll see him this afternoon in the blue dragon which is it's kind of a sequel to the dragon's trilogy but you can but certainly its own yeah you can you see it without yeah. having seen the dragon's trilogy well do you remember the first time you met robert lapage the first time you saw uh, him perform <laughs> yeah i think i, I met him already uh, when i uh, went to see the dragon's trilogy but he didn't perform in that and then the first show that I saw him perform in was the Polygraph. Okay. Now, I must say that, um, I mean, I'm from Holland and I learned French in school. I'm now 
obviously I've, I speak French fluently, but at that time I had my grammar and everything and I spoke a little bit of French, but it was really hard to understand uh, the French and especially Quebecois French coming from Europe, uh -huh. and ha having learned <laughs> French French, as we say. Um, so the first time that I, I saw the polygraph, I mean, I thought it was fantastic visually and I loved the, and the whole atmosphere of the play, but to be honest, I did not understand a lot until I saw it in English. <laughs> and also meeting Robert, I, I mean, we always, I mean, we've become great friends over the now 20 years almost yeah. that we've known each other. But at the beginning, because he speaks, he, he loves telling stories and he's very eloquent and, you know, speaks very quickly in, in Quebecois French, with all, of course, with the P.I. Uh, sometimes even the subject matter uh, escaped me, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, how many languages do you have? Now I speak about seven languages, yeah. It's, you know, it is yeah. amazing, because yeah. in working with Menno, you kind of go, oh, um, uh, so let's get together, we'll talk next Wednesday, and he'll go, oh, why can't, I'm in Finland next <laughs> Wednesday. But then I can speak to you Friday after I come back from yeah. Os yeah. You know, Oslo, or some <laughs> wild connection. And yeah. Robert is, is extraordinary with language, too. I mean, you'll yes. see in yeah. the show, he acts, and... English, French, and Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is funny because sometimes it's a bit parallel because he's also, like me, very interested in languages and, and thinks it's incredibly important to learn languages because it really makes you yeah. understand uh, another culture. And, and even, and uh, just a good segue with this play is because it played, as you know, in French uh, only two weeks ago here at the Théâtre Français. And there's kind of a parallel development with the Blue Dragon and the Dragon Bleu, it's called in French. And it's really interesting because both versions have a completely different atmosphere and a completely different kind of development. And so you can really see uh -huh. that there is the language also does that. And it's very hard to put your finger on it, what exactly it does, but it's definitely different in English. And uh, But I, I really like it, the English version. So, uh, yeah. Wow. It, uh, you know, um, this year we're doing an international season of plays from around the world and Canadian plays and artists that have made a name for themselves in the world stage. And, you know, you, you really couldn't do an international season in Canada without including Robert Lepage in some <laughs> way. Because Robert and Gilles Mailleux and many of the kind, and Manuel Plucker have been a really important part of a shift in Canadian theater in the last 20 years, of and, and, and Quebec particularly, mm -hmm on the international stage. Yes. Is there something you recognize in Canadian theater that distinguishes it from other works you see around the world? Or can you, why do you think that is? Why are Canadian artists so celebrated internationally? Yes. I, have a, I mean, my theory is that because of our language divide in Canada and, uh, and uh, you know, the whole political uh, thing with language, which of course I've lived through for the last 20, 25 years when I started to come to Canada and to Montreal particularly. And so speaking is a political act on stage in Canada because you have to decide, am I going to speak in English? or am I going to speak in French? Um, and let alone the other languages of the native uh, people and all that. But um, so I think the artists in Canada have developed more of a sensibility to express themselves, either through imagery and through uh, also through physical theater. 
And that is what makes it so interesting and so specific. And that's my theory why there is this whole cluster of modern dance companies that are also in Montreal, La 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 Human Steps, so Vertigo, Marie Chouinard, because it is about expressing what you have to say, but not necessarily through text. And so, I mean, obviously you'll see the Blue Dragon and it's a, it's a text-based play, I mean, but there is so much that is told in other ways, in atmosphere, in images, in physical, like movement, and, and so, and that is very uh, typical, and I think that that is the main reason why there is, has been such a boom over the last 20 years, and why the, the work be, has become so universal, and so, you know, people recognize themselves in, in the work, because it's, it's, it's very much about expressing big ideas through sometimes very small movements and images, and that are very beautiful. And, and Robert continues to work in many disciplines of the theater. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his, uh, he works in the opera quite regularly, and he was the first North American to direct uh, at the Royal Shakespeare Company, or yeah. the National Theatre. The National Theatre. The National Theatre, yeah, when yeah. he directed A Midsummer, Midsummer Night's, Night's Dream. Dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and now it's really un unbelievable, because, I mean, Robert has done many films. And, yes, uh, of course. Uh, one of the best ones, I think, still, is his first major film, which is The Confessional, if you ever have a chance to rent it. I mean, it's an amazing work of art, and it's loosely based on The Confession by Alfred Hitchcock, which was actually filmed Shot in, in Quebec City. City. Yeah. And so it's a wonderful, very artsy kind of film that is very indicative of Robert's way of thinking and colors. And uh, if you look at that film now, I mean, at the beginning you couldn't really see it, but now, so many years later, it's really a work of art. What, so. what is that Robert's way of thinking? If you were to describe uh -huh. Robert's work to someone who had never seen it, uh -huh. never read a review of it, never heard of it, it's what is it's, that? it's hard to, to, to explain it, obviously, but one of the characteristics is that Robert really um, uh, ties together the universal, like the unbelievably big and the very, very small, like day-to-day -day things. And that is what makes his work so special. It's uh, two children, like the beginning of the Dragons trilogy was two uh, girls from Quebec City playing with shoe boxes and they're in a sandbox and all of a sudden you have Quebec City there and so it's like, and so it's, and it's a little segment of their lives but at the same time, it tells a story of a whole neighborhood in Quebec City. It tells a story about diversity of cultures. It tells it. So it's the whole, the big ideas of the, of the world and the big decisions in one's life and the demons that we all have in us and then relate it to and bringing it back and down to uh, daily, very little things that just meetings, chance meetings that you have with another person or going on a little bicycle ride. I mean, you'll see it in the, in the play. It's like it's brought back to very easy things that are very easy to identify yourself with, but that kind of makes you think about who are we, where are we, you know, and without it making into a big a big problem. So it's it's a very kind of playful it, way it's to do it's that. It's true. Often the most spectacular things in Robert's productions yeah. 
are quite simply mm -hmm. achieved. It's that he's able to see something, distill it, and yeah. go, yeah. that's how we'll do that. Yeah. And they're very simple, actually. Yeah. Robert always says, it's not for nothing that we're going to see a play. It's, the whole play element <laughs> is incredibly important. Yeah. It's not, you know, that's not just a word. It's we're playing. And it's all based on the assumption that the audience will believe what's going on on stage. And we're just make-believe. We're very open about the fact that it's make-believe, it's not like film, we're not pretending to actually be in a city, but we'll just put on a, a, a screen, and, and so, and the audience is expected to say, okay, well, we're playing and, together. And, and yet at the same time, what I find, uh, I love in Robert's work is that he uses often the vocabulary mm -hmm. of film and television yes. theatrically. Yeah. So something that you're more used to seeing, yeah. like a split screen, a close-up, yeah. an aerial shot, things yeah. like that, yeah. he'll yeah. apply to the theater. And so you both are startled because it's so original yeah. and yeah. recognize it too. Yeah. So it's a, it's a wonderful experience. He's, he says that um, uh, film and television have, in a way, liberated theater because when they did not exist, theater had this role of like uh, uh, putting on stage real life and there was no other way to do it. So that's why people went to the theater too. But once television and film have uh, arrived, it was no longer necessary to, to do that. And so the theater can now do all kinds of crazy things on stage that were not possible before and the people will just go along with it. And this, in the same way that he Gosh. says photography liberated painting because it's, right. at some point right. the painters didn't have to, you know, you could make photographs that were much more real than the paintings. It's a very healthy attitude yeah. rather than yeah. you know, television has killed theater. Yeah, but, yeah you know. no, of course. Very and, you know. wow. and he says also that television and film have, uh, have kind of learned us to, to look at things in a different way. It doesn't have to be chronological anymore because we, we know now we go back and forth, flashbacks, flash forwards. Yeah. So you can use that in the theater and the people will, will know uh, that yes. and they will go along with it. So, uh, yeah. Right on. Um, I'd like to open up this conversation <laughs> uh, to uh, our audience here today. If anyone mm -hmm. has a question for Mano, uh, yes. What a great question. The question was, have the recent cutbacks, which were specifically targeted at touring works, have they inter affected Menno's international project? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, thanks for that question. Um, I would say I gave a, a couple of interviews about this and when people from the media have asked me also. And my answer is not yet, but we're on the verge of it because actually the cuts um, are... Uh, are coming into effect next week. So it's uh, it's the 1st of April. And so, yes, it will become more difficult in the very near future to tour work abroad um, because of the cuts that we have to the touring program by the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade Canada. And then another thing which I deplore also very much is that um, there has been some money through the Trade Routes program for people like me to go to countries and develop new audiences. Like I just came back from a trip to Russia and to South Africa where we don't have a lot of contacts and to develop 
uh, new audiences and new contacts and new network. And so, and I was supported for that work by the Department of Canadian Heritage, and, and that program is also ending on the 1st of April. So next year, I will still be able to do it, but I won't get any support for it. So um, it's it is very. It is very uh, sad, I must say, but uh, hopefully uh, we're still kind of hopeful that there will be some kind of a solution uh, in the near future uh, via maybe some extra money, um, the Canada Council for the Arts. Yes. Uh -huh. okay. The question was, how did Robert Lepage create the Blue Dragon? Did he write a text or was it created through workshopping and improvisation? Um, so Robert never really writes a text for a, a play. <laughs> um, and it's hard because, I mean, even up to this point, I have to tell you that the, the, the play is still in, in flux. I mean, it still changes every night. And they add scenes, they take away scenes. Uh, it's very much based on improvisation. The Blue Dragon really came about because at some point, uh, Marie Michaud, who is one of the uh, actors and the co-creator of The Blue Dragon, was also one of the collaborators of the Dragon's Trilogy. And the, the Dragon's Trilogy already was a collaboration of seven actors, Robert included, who kind of got together at that time, early 80s, and wanted to make a piece about China, where they'd never been, and about that Chinatown in Quebec City. And so they developed the Dragon's Trilogy, that work of six hours over time, just improvising, coming with ideas, sometimes based on people's personal lives. And, and so the Blue Dragon was really that Marie Michaud at some point came up to Robert Lepage and said, well, we want to, you know, I'd like to work with you again. And so maybe we should work on it. And so then they got the idea of Pierre La Montagne, maybe like his life, where he's he now to decades later, and so and then they positioned him in Shanghai, so Marie and Robert went to Shanghai, and, and so it had developed like that. But I, for instance, and Victoria Steele of the National Arts Center, we went to Quebec City uh, in February of 2008, so it's about a year and two months ago, to see a very preliminary presentation, a workshop kind of presentation of this work, and the story has completely changed. I mean, uh, you know, some, some scenes are still there, some, some scenes are lost, and, <laughs> and so it's a complete... And even... We, you know, we had an audience member last night come up to me and she said, you say this play is two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> it was only two hours. Yeah. And I said, well, it was two hours and 20 minutes when we printed yeah, this yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it changed. It. Exactly. It's better. It's getting tighter. Yeah, cleaner. exactly. You have to be happy. <laughs> yes. My yeah. goodness. For that person, I would say, go to see Lip Sync in Toronto, <laughs> which That's is nine hours long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we come for one last question. Yeah. The question was, uh, how is art supported in other countries? Is it increasing, reduced? How does it compare with the status of arts funding in Canada, internationally? I mean, it, it obviously it depends on, on the political parties that are in power in the various countries. We also now have the recession to contend with. So it's very hard to generalize. But I would say it's fair to say that in this global world, I mean, many, many countries, the vast majority of the countries are really interested in getting the work, word out that they have great artists and that these artists represent the culture of their country, and they put great emphasis on developing that. So 
countries like Australia, Great Britain, I mean, they always have done that in the past and they will for sure continue to do that. And Germany, who has the GOAT institutes uh, everywhere. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a big element. And I will say this, which is staggering, considering that Mr. Obama just has been in power for two months now. Um, I ran into Joe Melillo, who is the artistic producer at Brooklyn Academy of Music, and he told me, in New York, and he told me that um, the office of Hillary Clinton had called him, the new administration, and wanted him to travel abroad and to start cultural exchange mm. projects on behalf of the mm. United States of wow. America. Wow. Mm. So hopefully this government, Smart who thinking. looks so much to the U.S. as an example, will follow <laughs> in this lead. Wow. And you know, I think it's true, like what we, so it's so important we build here in Canada uh -huh. is uh, a culture that goes to the theater. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I really noticed that in Europe when I was in Norway this fall and seeing, you know, a production of Rosmer's Home and this huge, and it's full. And all the Norwegians go to see Ibsen, you know? Uh, I think that's very important yeah. for us to do, to yeah. learn from, to take from. Oh, of course. It's our, it's our culture. It's our heritage. It's our communication. It's our exchange. It's a, especially in a country like Canada, which we really we have to hold on to the, to the means of communication we have also between the provinces. It's incredibly important, I think. So. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you, Menno, very much well, for joining us this afternoon. More than welcome. Thank you thank for you. coming, and I hope you all enjoy the Blue Dragon this yes. afternoon. Yes, okay. thank you. Thank you very much. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting www.nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Search on Hinterviews. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting www.nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can also find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick for Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa.